Welcome back to the Modern Day Overthinker Podcast. I am your host, Colin. This episode is featuring a new friend of mine, Brian Farrell. He's also a comedian, but he also has multiple personality disorder, and we really wanted to talk about that. I wanted to have him on to spread awareness on that, give us some insight. He did a great job talking about his experience with it. He also suffered from a serious brain injury in 2005, which we discussed as well. We also talked about stand-up comedy and being very therapeutic, and it's helped him out very much so mentally, and it's awesome to hear about that. We just had a great conversation. He's a great guy. Enjoy my conversation with Brian Farrell. Well, we'll go ahead and start here. So I am in the studio with Brian Farrell, a fellow comedian in the Quad Cities, and we have a couple things to talk about here. Uh, First thing we wanted to talk about was multiple personality disorder, also known as DID. Can you explain what DID stands for? It's Disassociative Identity Disorder. Okay. That is such a mouthful. That's why I say multiple personality disorder. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I've actually had people ask me about this, and it's uh, something that has been requested as far as for uh, somebody that has it and to spread more awareness about it. And, you know, we've gotten to know each other through the comedy community, which I've said a million times is awesome around here. And uh, so, yeah, when did you, you said it was a little bit later in your life where you, you're probably, I'm guessing you were misdiagnosed at first. Is that correct? Several times. Several times. Yes. Yeah. And uh, do you mind asking uh, me asking your age? I believe I was 17 when I figured it out. Okay. Or when they but figured cur- it but out. But your current, your current age now? 51 this year. I'll be 52 this year. Okay. Because the mental health uh, game has changed drastically just in the last, like, 20 years. So I can only imagine them trying to diagnose you back then. Well, that was easy. Everybody had, uh, was it what they call it, uh, bipolar? <laughs> yeah, that was the flavor. Uh, yep. Yeah. Even they tried to diagnose me bipolar first, and I'm OCD. I'm like, that's not even close. But no. it was just like, bipolar, bipolar. It makes you wonder what the what the pharmaceutical companies were pushing at that time, you know? Prozac and lithium. <laughs> Prozac and lithium. Uh, but you said you start... You finally got diagnosed or a little bit of clarity on what was going on when you were 17, you said? Well, I didn't really have clarity because if I do have bipolar, as they say I do, um, the narcissistic side of me don't want to agree with that. Mm, I'm not the problem. Of course not. <laughs> Everybody yeah. else is the problem. Yeah. So I didn't really come to grips with it until after my brain injury, which was... In 2005, but it was around 2012 that I started to, it started to show its face and I started to understand it and realize how serious and how real it was. Okay. So in 2000, so 2005 was your brain injury. And mm-hmm. before that you were a, you were a, were you a long haul trucker? Yeah. Over the road. Yep. Okay. You did that for how long? I believe I Sorry. Did you reach I, a mile mark mark of some sort that you can remember? No, I was just glad I survived. I had such a reckless life. Um, I was 24 when I started, and I was 35 when I was taken out by that accident. So, okay. by the brain injury. Yeah, and that was while you were working. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, so that obviously uh, was. That's not. Is that something we can talk about? Oh, yeah. Or, yeah. As far as what happened. Uh, yep. So just kind of explain to me the, I obviously heard the story before, but you can tell it better than I can as far as what happened and what caused the injury and how that's impacted you since. It's <laughs> a lot. Well, it's kind of embarrassing because I don't have a cool story to tell. I mean, you know, it's not like I rolled my truck down an embankment after getting chased by the cops or nothing. It was really stupid. Yeah. I, uh, I was delivering or picking up an empty trailer at a place and, uh, I saw a piece of cardboard on the trailer, so I walked on the trailer, picked it up, 
walked off the trailer, and as I was walking off the trailer, a thousand-pound door fell 15 feet and hit me in the head, slammed my face into the dock plate, and uh, next thing I knew, it was uh, like three and a half months later. So you lost that whole time. From Jan- or I'm sorry, from uh, November 15th of 2005 till January 3rd at 1 o'clock in the morning. Jeez. I remember when I came back because was, it was weird. Oh, I bet. I didn't even know I was gone, but it was really weird trying yeah. to figure it all out, you know, because... Like, I thought I just took a nap. Yeah, right. Well, I was wondering why I was home, because I drove in the dark. Okay. And it's 1 o'clock, I'm like, why am I home? You know, and it was weird to me, because I thought it was Wednesday. Um, after the brain injury, every day was Wednesday for probably three years. Okay. Um, I still don't know my days, my times. I don't worry about that stuff anymore. I have enough stuff to worry about, like speaking thinking clearly Mm -hmm. so i don't worry myself with that stuff anymore yeah you try not to overwhelm yourself right i mean every day i have to do my abc's one two threes when i wake up in the morning in my head and then talk to myself you know kind of to get my bearings it takes about two hours to wake up to be fully clear because you had to go through a lot of uh, a lot of therapy just to learn basic things obviously like learning to walk again things like that right well I had difficulty walking from the injuries, but not having to learn that part. I okay. did have to learn how to speak sentences again. Okay. Um, and trying to keep a train of thought. So it's pretty upsetting, you know, having to relearn all these things that you know how to do. Yeah. And uh, you said after you got, you know, learning new thing or learning new things, learning old things again, I should say you were able to get a little bit more awareness on the multiple personality disorder a little bit, you know, a little bit more, get, have it a little bit more in check than you had before. Yeah. That a, and that was a funny story for me anyway, because it was an accident. Um, <laughs> another accident. I was videotaping myself to learn how to speak again. Okay. Because I couldn't remember what I was saying. I was trying to write it in a book so that I could write a book about what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't remember what I was saying. And when I was recording this, you could see my demeanor change when conversations got to sketchy areas or hurtful areas. Mm-hmm. And uh, I showed it to the doctor. And the doctor's like, wow, you know, he starts laughing. He says, wow, this is incredible. I was like, well, I'm glad I can entertain you. Yeah. And he's like, you're writing. He says, you know, you're, I look at your medical records, and you do have four alters. He says, but not only that, I can tell which one of you are writing the notes. Explain alters for me. Alters would be, I guess, the nice way of saying your other personality. Okay. I actually have four of them, but I, I joke about 16 because I go based off of four different um, uh, emotions. On okay. a, every time you ask me a question or ask my opinion. So each one has four different emotions. Like, that, w- that I pay attention to, yes. Okay, got it, got it. Because I have to take all of that into consideration before I answer a question. Because I am speaking for other people. In a way, yeah, obviously. Yeah. yeah it's weird. but it's and a, I, It sounds weird saying <laughs> it, yeah. yeah sounds okay. weird living with it. Um, but uh, so he was impressed that when I was writing the book, it was like four different books because each one of us had our own personality mm. and our own check, our own view of how things were playing out. Yeah. But our handwriting was different. Ooh. All four of us have different handwriting. Who has the best handwriting? Me. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote like a girl. So, yeah, I have great handwriting. Yeah. I wish I had that. I never have had good handwriting. Yeah, that caused problems in school because my teachers would be like, well, I know this is not your handwriting. Who wrote this? Well, when I was in a hurry or I was in a bad mood, who knows who was writing it? Yeah. yeah. But when I was calm, cool, and collective, and yeah, when you were, I'm perfect. I mean, I have OCD. Well, at least one of us do. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is a whole another problem. But uh, my handwriting is beautiful, and I I would actually do my homework, and if I got like three quarters of the way through the page, and I get to the end, and I'd have to scratch out a letter, I would rip it up and tear it all up and do it all over again. Perfectionism. I cannot turn it in that way. Nope. Not oh. happening. Oh, man. I'll take the F. <laughs> that Yeah, that's OCD for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to divert from your question, but no. that's how I found out that, wow, you know, 
maybe a few of these doctors are right. You know, maybe I do have multiple personality disorder. Um, and it didn't really matter till much till a few years after my brain injury and when I figured it out, because beforehand I was, you know, I was a monster. I was mean. I was around mean people. You know, mean people attract negative people. Oh yeah. And uh, after I got rid of all those people, um, and now I'm married to Christina. She's such a sweetheart. I don't know what's wrong with her and why she's with me. I have no idea what she sees, but she's such a sweetheart, and she makes me want to be a better person. And I don't say that to be, you know, how people say that. I don't mean to be weird. It's just true. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I disappointed my father so many times in my life. I can't even, I don't even know how he hasn't had a heart attack yet. Um, And he believes in me, and I just want to be a nicer person, not just for them, but for myself too. It's nice to get along with my dad now. It's nice to get along with my spouse. Um, I never had that, you know. And friends, they weren't really friends. Um, it was People like to party with, partners. associates, stuff like that. Well, you know, I was always a loner, but if I was around somebody, it was always talking shit about each other, you know what I mean? It was never nothing nice. Yeah, toxic relationships. Very, very. I mean, which is weird because I'm nice to everybody. It's like one side of me is nice to everybody, but then that other side would push everybody away. Mm. Different personality, I guess. You know, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. Yeah. But uh, it just, it makes, it's just easier not to have friends (laughs) until I figured it out, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So the brain injury was a blessing. I mean, I learned about multiple personality disorder, and uh, I got a reset button on life. I think everybody needs a brain injury. <laughs> Everybody needs a reset. Yeah. Yep, yep. So a lot of things need a reset right now, like I joked around about. Um, but, yeah, you've uh, you thought about doing the book thing, and then you were like, ah, I don't think I'm – I don't think I can do a book. And then now you're doing comedy. And uh, so you, like – Kind of like me, you're pushed into it a little bit. Obviously, you're put you're pushed into it a lot of it, a uh, lot of it, yeah. heavily encouraged, which is good, uh, yes. because because uh, you do have, uh, yeah, you can <laughs> you don't have a shortage of material. It sounds like no, it's just remembering it. Obviously, is probably a struggle just with everything going on. Huge struggle. Um... You know, that's one of the things I have to relearn every day. I, I remember my material. I just don't remember the order. Mm. And I'm trying to learn this whole segue thing. And it's probably a little early for me in, in this, I guess, so-called career. Uh, yeah, you got to kind of take one thing at a time. Right, but I don't know how yet. Yeah, yeah. January, I think, 29th was the first time I was on stage. I've only been on stage 19 times now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know nothing. <laughs> So, you know, you no know more than you started, but yeah, you still don't know much because yeah, it's, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've been on stage now, but it's only been over a year. Yeah. I mean, and you talk to people like either the Chris's or James who have done it just thousands of times and they still have things that you're never going to, you know, have master master it unless you're dave Chappelle or something I, I, he's like the only one no i'm just kidding i'm a big <laughs> dave Chappelle fan so yeah, I, I like him too he's great yeah i i don't know i love all the comedians here have been very welcoming and it's weird because these out-of-state comedians come in you know you see a few at the mansion mm-hmm. and uh they come in and they're like you know i can't believe how supportive they are here you won't get that where i'm coming from i'm like what are you talking about they're like dude they're not nice it's cutthroat. I'm like, yeah. I guess I'm glad I was born here because everybody too, is so man. nice. Very, they're always helpful. Um, they know I don't know anything, so you know they give me hints here and there, um, and I try to remember those hints the best I can and try to respect the art and the artists behind it because a lot of these people have been doing it for a long time. Yes, and I noticed that some of them are kind of standoffish at first because. Well, I've been watching this for two years before I got on stage, and all these comedians, are, well, amateur comedians or, you know, people that thought aspiring comedians, yeah. they come in and then they talk this big game and they bother all these people for information and try to learn. And this is gold. I mean, these guys have lived this for 15, 20 years. Yeah. 
and you want them to share it, and then you're up there two or three times, then you're talking crap about the situation, and then you're gone. I haven't seen, there's like 30 comedians I have not seen again. And I've only been watching this for two years. Like they moved or just stopped? I think they just stopped. And I think that that reflects on the comedians that I deal with on a weekly basis because they don't want to waste their time if you're not going to take it serious. I sent a game to them, and um, yeah. I've actually had one person say that to me, and I don't understand why it was said to me. I, I don't think it is a game either. I take it very serious. They, like, took but, their uh, shirt off, and they're, like, in their chest. Like, it's not a game. No, I'm no. They were very nice about it. But yeah. uh, um, it, but it also checks you, lets you realize, you know, if you think it's a game, it's not. These people are here. You know, some are just having fun, okay, and that's fine, and it's their social crowd. But a lot of these people are trying to get somewhere, and they put a lot of work and energy and effort into this. Oh, yeah. So you better take it serious because otherwise you're just in their way. And I don't want to be one of those people. I, I want to I want to excel in this. Yeah, and that's the thing I love about it is because there's just so many different things, especially starting out, that you can focus on. It's like I've been more focused on not – looking down and looking up and looking up at the audience more because I noticed that from just, you know, recording myself. And then I've had people say it to me too uh, that I've asked for criticism for or I've talked to frequently. And uh, I appreciate that because, you know, I don't notice, I don't know when I'm up there, it's like, I'm, it's your, you, you know what it's like. You're in your own little world and it's like you got a bunch of anxiety going on. Oh, yeah. You don't know what you're doing. Like you're, I, I'm always fidgeting with stuff with like the mic cord and like p pacing. I need to stop pacing so much. Like little things like that. I remember Chris telling me like, "Hey, try to do your whole set without taking the mic out of the stand and just stand there." And I think I did it like twice, and then I was like, "I can't do this anymore." <laughs> I have to force myself to do that though, because I can do it. It's just uh, it's a discipline thing, and uh, so that way you know people aren't as distracted by my pacing and paying attention to what I'm really saying. You know, right? Yeah, I uh, I learned to put my hand up on the mic stand. I just learned that recently. I've seen you doing that. Yeah, yeah. I'm just like chilling, hanging up, like I'm leaning up against casual, the wall, like Starman, lean. He kind of does that. I think him and and Andralis, I think will do it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. Uh, me too. Yeah. And my dad loves him too. That's my dad's favorite comedian. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yep. And uh, yeah, it, it's hard it, when you get up there on stage. I mean, it's so easy watching it at home or watching it from the stands. And then the first time I got up there, I thought I was going to pass out. Mm -hmm. um, I remember the first words that came out of my mouth was, well, this was a good idea. And everybody started laughing. I was like, oh, this is easy. No, I didn't realize that Chris Lichting had set the stage by telling him this is first time. And, yeah. you know, I didn't realize that because I'm dumb. I don't know anything yet. Yeah. And it didn't go that bad. Um, the second night was the worst because you think you knew something mm. and you don't get that break. Yeah, there's a good point to that. I think I remember uh, <laughs> my second time. My first time didn't go that great either, though, so I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, I was just, yeah, I think I remember I went in. I had material ready, and I was like, I'm going to tell this joke, this joke, this joke. And I was like, if, if all else fails, though, I got a story that I could fill up. Because I was worried about, you know, getting to the time, getting to the five minutes. And I was like, I don't know if I have enough material. I'm like, and then I just went into a story and that filled the rest of it. And I was like, I didn't even know how I was going to tell the story. I just know the story. Uh, and that filled the rest of the time. But I was just like, that was my last ditch effort. I was like, oh, panic mode. I forgot all my other jokes. And I think I even had my phone on stage with me, but that didn't matter because I was in such, it was just, I was so anxious, it didn't matter. Uh, but now I try to uh, look. The less I use my notes or my phone, the better it seems to go. Because I'm not, like, trying to memorize or be too scripted. Uh, and that 
can cause some issues because it is just it just throws me off my game. That's just me personally, and that's another thing is everybody has to approach it a little bit differently. Yeah, that's another thing because everybody's you know everybody's brains wired a different way, and everybody's uh, and so the funny thing is some people don't even notice like how nervous I I, I get I <laughs> I it's not as bad anymore, but uh, even at the beginning like. Like a few months into it, they're like, "Yeah, you look your stage presence is really good. You look really good on stage." I'm like, "I don't feel that way, but I'm glad I'm acting it, for, looking like I'm not nervous." But oh man, I was so nervous. I still get kind of kind of nervous. It just depends. It depends on where I'm at. Yeah, and it's confusing when they say that because I'm the same way. Like, oh, you're getting so much comfortable, more comfortable up there. Like, I'm like, what are you like talking that. about, dude? Half my personalities were standing at the bottom of the stage ready to leave. Yeah. <laughs> They're already gone. I'm like, I'm ready to get off the stage because I get so nervous and scared. Um, but once you get those uh, first couple laughs, that does help a lot. It does, but my brain starts but to your go brain fast. Still, yeah. And uh, we'll see, uh, you were talking about your material. My first time, Chris said, give me three minutes. You know, he kind of tricked me on stage. Uh, a comedian didn't show up that night, and there was a spot. He had an obligation and an opportunity. Mm-hmm. So he said, you're going up. And uh, I didn't take the hint at first. I think I'd already told I you. that he was joking or something. Well, he came off the stage after he introduced somebody and tapped me on the shoulder as he walked by. And I'm like, oh, hi, you know. Yeah. And then uh, the second time he came off the stage, he tapped me on the shoulder again. I'm like, hi. And <laughs> Yeah, what are you tapping me for? And the next time he came off the stage, he's tapped me twice. I'm like. Hey, honey, I'll be right back. I think Chris wants something because I'm socially, I don't take cues like yeah, that. Yeah, I go back there. He's like, Hey, you're going up. I'm like, Going up where? <laughs> yeah, where? He's like, On there? stage. No. I was like, No, no, no. I brought my book with you because you said you're going to help me. You're going to look at this and tell me if it was okay for material. And he's like, It is. I said, You didn't even look at it. He says, I just need three minutes. I said, Chris, I'm not ready. He's like, you're never going to be ready. You wanted my help. That's true. You're going up. He goes, look, I'm just going to call your name, and you're going to make both of us really stupid. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> so I ran, and I got my book, and I'm sitting in the front row because I love to sit in the front row to watch everybody to see what, you know, to learn, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I'm trying to read, and I can't because, you know, like my brain's going a million mile an hour. So it didn't go bad. It could have been a lot worse. But that's how that was my first time, and uh, oh, thank you, Chris, because if you had never done that, I would have never gotten on stage. It wasn't going to happen. Yeah, yeah, he's done that for quite a few people. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, uh, we all appreciate Chris selecting around here. Uh, not that he needs the promo right now; he's got uh, quite the uh, the following on social media. But anyways, I'll promote him anyway for free. Even though he won't come on the podcast, but that's his own thing. I get it. He doesn't do podcasts. Well, I did ask his permission to bring his name up because besides him and Tim Kaminsky, who's my mentor, these two have been very helpful. Well, everybody's been helpful, but I mean, these two, I go to and say, hey, you know, I wrote 10 minutes worth of stuff and I said it in three minutes and 30 seconds. What happened? (laughs) That'll happen. He says, if you write 20, you're probably going to do it in two minutes. You need to calm down. You need to live in your jokes. You know, enjoy them. You know, quit trying to force so many jokes in your five minutes. You're not there yet. Yeah. And, of course, you're new and sitting at home. You had all these big ideas. You've been doing watching YouTube for two years and watching the comedians for two years. You're going to go up on stage and you're going to blow everybody's hair back. (laughs) Nope. It's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. You're going to get up there and realize you don't know shit. You know nothing. So it's a whole different experience. It's a when humbling you get up there. experience. That's Very humbling. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's let's try to get back into, I, yeah, because I could talk about comedy for I know. I uh, keep jumping. It's, it's all right. Um, so how have you been approaching, you know, you said you have a like a routine in the morning or afternoon or whenever whenever you wake up. You said you're a night owl, so so whenever you're up for the day to start your day, you have a routine that you have to do. Uh, other than the routine, which obviously seems very important for you to you know go on with your day, 
what other things have you been able to implement that's helped you, you know, deal with something that you obviously know you're going to have to deal with the rest of your life? There's so many answers to that question. Yeah, um, I bet. I bet. Sorry. Well, I do. I go. I try to go to bed between three and five a.m. and I get up around noon. Okay. Um, noon seems to be a great time. Uh, which we can get into that later, a different day or whatever. But uh, that works great for me. No one talks to me for the first two hours, you know, unless I have to. If it's important, uh, my wife respects and understands what I'm going through. Um, I'm very trigger happy, very, I get upset very easy. If you talk to me when I first wake up, um, so I do, I deal with that. Um, and then, uh, I just, I, now I go through my comedy stuff. I didn't have that until four years ago is when I started writing. Um, that actually, you didn't know you were writing comedy. No, not until my wife and my father were laughing at the book and I was like, the hell's the matter with you? That's not nice. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, it's not a comedy. I was like, well, I guess it is now. Um, you know, naturally I'm funny at home, but that's easy. You know, you're around your friends, your family, you know. Yeah. It's easy to be funny around them. They know who you are. You know their triggers. Um, so I actually reached out to a comedian I knew, Tim Kaminsky, and to help me to see if I was I funny. I Tim. Well, he's on, he doesn't put anything on social media really because he's already earned it the old way i mean he's been doing this for 40 years okay so he he goes on cruise lines the big cruise lines oh, okay so he makes me watch my mouth and be family oriented if he wants if i want him to be my mentor because that's where he wants me to be that's where i want to be but in order for me to him to help me get there to guide me i have to follow certain rules i can't be talking about the stuff that half my book said <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah, sure. i went from 15 books to eight books <laughs> okay of material um notebooks but yep okay so the writing helped me express my my angers and and frustrations and and get that stuff out um basically venting on paper yeah and uh which is a good idea when uh one of your alters or personalities is uh well for lack of better term i call him a closet serial killer I call him number seven. It's my Psychopath. fourth personality. He's just, he's my protector, but he's nuts. Yeah. When I get mad, it's, if you upset me just a little bit, there's no such thing. My brain goes into a very dark place very quickly. That's where I, I don't want you on this planet. It's just it. Um, your existence, there's no remorse, no nothing. It's pure hatred. And I had to learn what to deal with that before. I don't know how I didn't ever hurt nobody. I mean, I have, but not like that, you know what yeah. I mean, to that degree, which is a scary thing to know about yourself. Yeah. You know. It's a good thing to be aware of, though, at the same time. Now that I'm aware of it, yes, but I wasn't aware of it till the brain injury. Um, so I try to keep him in check. I, I change rules in my life for all my personalities every day because the bipolar side, which is connected to the number seven, I call, I give him names so I know who I'm talking to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. but uh, no, That's fine. As a bipolar boy in number seven, there's uh, Asperger man for the Asperger side of me, and then me, of course, but which sounds even crazier, but uh, saying out loud. But uh, I have to keep him in check, so I have to get all those frustrations out. I get them out on paper. Um, then I start writing on jokes because they wanted me, they thought I should do stand up, and I thought, gee, how hard could that be? It's the hardest thing yeah. I've ever tried in my life. I thought it was gonna be easy. Um, so I deal with that stuff, and then I joke around instead of when I go through the house, and I'm, my wife is a great person, but because I have so many issues of my own, there's a lot of things she does that irritates the hell out of me. And then her father lives with us, so it irritates me even more. Uh, and it's not their fault. I mean, I love them there, yeah. you know, and I love being around my wife. Mm -hmm. Not all my personalities agree with everything that goes on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... I can be extremely difficult to live with, obviously. Um, and I have to learn what those triggers are. So when my wife does something stupid that uh, I view as stupid, so 
Sorry, not saying she's stupid. When she does something irritating. I know she's not stupid. I've met her. Well, then she's sitting five feet behind <laughs> she, me. I'm not going to say and it. she's sitting right over there. <laughs> yeah. She's not afraid to knock the hell out of me. Um, <laughs> she's beat up all my friends when we were younger. So trust me, she's not afraid of me. Yeah, because um, you have known your, you have known each other for a long time and you've been married for how long? Actually, we've only been married. You're really going to ask me that question with my yep. wife sitting behind me? Yes, <laughs> yes, I am. 2015. Okay. I don't know the math. Okay. Because of the brain injury. I don't know what year it is now. So Seven years. Okay, seven years. Yeah, so it'll be eight years this year, I think. No, so we're 2022, so seven years. Okay. So See, I told you that doesn't work any for me anymore. That, she gave me the thumbs up, so. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's, well, that's the finger she showed you, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was the thumb. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, I lost my train of thought. Um, so I try to keep that in check. So the things that she does that make me mad I learn to make jokes about them mm -hmm. and so now we've turned it into a fun thing mm -hmm. and luckily she has a great personality and she does too and now it it's more like foreplay <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah which is really weird but it works and then I'll and because of that I was like man I need to write this book because I need people that are you know crazy like me to have to learn that they're not stuck yeah with or without medication, you're not stuck. You have choices. You just got to learn what all your boundaries are for each one of your personalities, if you can connect with them or not. I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Yeah. I got lucky with the brain injury. Otherwise, I'd still be flying like a loose cannon. But um, you were just you were just basically coasting. I was on autopilot. Yeah. My whole life, and it's scary because I've I've hurt a lot of people emotionally. You just mean and. You know, and it's just, I don't attach myself to people because, well, because of my upbringing. I mean, you know, my family life was just <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> so, I mean, my dad was a good father. I'm not going to lie about that. Mm -hmm. But he had his issues, and his issues with my issues didn't work out. Yeah. Um, Do you have any siblings? Uh, I have some stepbrothers and sisters. Okay. But, and stuff like that, but. Mainly my dad's girlfriend's kids over the years. So, okay. And I don't know anybody on my biological egg donor side because I don't, I mean, I've met a few of them, but I don't deal with that lifestyle over there. Got it. Got um, it. Okay. Just, you know, and that's kind of where a lot of this probably started. You know, um, when I was two years old, I was taken from her. My dad was actually honorably discharged from the military. Yes, the Department of War contacted the Secretary of Defense and they honorably discharged my fa discharged my father from Vietnam War to come home and raise me because I was in a bad situation. That's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, that's almost unheard of. I know, so. Well, it's unheard of to me because this is the first time I've heard of. Well, you told me about it, but it's your situation and your example, I've never heard of anything like that. Yeah, so I don't deal with that side of my family. And, you know, by the time I was in kindergarten, um, I had already had six homes, you know, some with my dad, my grandma, my aunts, my uncles. Um, by the time I was 20, I probably had, oh, I'd say at least a good 25, 30 homes. Did you go to a lot of different schools? Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I left school at a young age, too, because, again, remember, I'm bipolar, so I'm smarter than everybody else. I didn't need to graduate. Gotcha. <laughs> okay, yeah. Which I— I don't know how I made it through life without, you know, I, I stopped doing my work in seventh grade. So I I manipulated myself into 10th grade. Got it. So back then you could do that. You know, now you actually have to earn it. But back then they just, you're a problem, get rid of you. Yeah. You know. Um, Push them through. Yeah. Yeah. And I took advantage of that. Yeah. Until I had to pay bills. You know, I ran away when I was 15. So it was hard to go to school, pay bills. You know, I lived in my car. Uh, so I've had a rocky life, and when you do that and you move around, you don't really build relationships. So you don't appreciate them when you have them because you don't even recognize they're there. Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, with me having multiple personality disorder, I don't know which one of us your friends anyway. You know, who are you friends with? Yeah. Are you the one that was doing drugs back then? Okay, well, okay, so you like heavy metal music and drugs. All right, well, I don't do that anymore. So... No sense of talking to you. Was the drugs a coping mechanism, or how did that 
or is it just like a lifestyle thing or it was an excuse um i had a nasty accident in 1995 um i ran over a sheriff up in minnesota and it did not turn out good so even though the accident was not my fault it doesn't matter you know that still wears on me yeah so uh and i was injured in the accident as well but uh, I'll have to show you pictures of, uh, not of him, but of the car. Um, I rode that thing like a skateboard with my semi. So it was bad. And uh, while I was, you know, not getting paid sitting at home, so I decided, well, I'll just sell drugs. Ah. And then I became my own dealer, you know? Yeah, of course. And next thing I knew, uh, I was in rehab. My dad and my uncle had me locked up. And uh, the feds were really upset because they were days away from arresting me. Or selling meth so that was just a different hurdle in my life i was blessing in disguise though for sure yes i've you know i've dodged bullets like that my whole life and i don't know i'm glad i got the head injury though dude because i get to look back and see what a nightmare i was and it just made me wanted to change you know i've made so many people miserable if I have a gift for making people laugh or taking their minds off of their daily crap, I'm going to do it. My biggest thing is, is, you know, there's moms and dads out there that are dealing with their kids and they don't sleep at night because of this shit. You mm -hmm. know, they're so worried about their kids. I'm not saying I can fix them, but I mean, hey, if one word comes out of my mouth that's positive, that might give that parent some hope so they can sleep and, you know, and not give up on their kids and maybe their kids won't give up on themselves, then I'm going to try it. You know, even if I have to embarrass the hell out of myself, if this don't go anywhere, you know, my dad asked me, why do you want to go on this podcast? You're really going to empty your dirty laundry like that? And I'm like, you know, it's not about me anymore. My whole life's been about me. It's time my, you know, if, if one person can pick up something good out of it, I need to do that. I, I owe society that much. Yeah. I feel the same way. I mean, I lived a, a, I don't get, I can't get deep into it on my end just because of uh, my employer uh, right. and people listening. Uh, but yeah, I lived a lifestyle that I am not proud of for a long time. Not a super long time, but long enough. And yeah, I just uh, treated people very badly. Uh, I was very selfish and... I've just realized that I have a bigger purpose and that is to share my story with other people and, you know, the things that I've gone through and hopefully make it easier for someone else to go through those same things and, uh, you know, or not have to deal with that at all or learn from my mistakes, you know, right? do as, do as I say, not as I've done, you know, right. that type of thing. Right. And then, you know, going back to what you said about or asked, uh, besides writing and doing the comedy thing, you know, I've changed my lifestyle so much. Um, you know, I, when I don't, obviously don't hang around negative people, but I don't, uh, I don't listen, I don't watch scary movies anymore. Uh, my heavy metal, I don't listen to it. It just, it gets my heart racing and then my brain will daydream about things I shouldn't be daydreaming about. I don't want to feed that animal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, my wife and I are wildlife rehabbers, so you have to be calm around these animals. Oh, yeah. You know, they they sense danger long before it's even around. So, and since our primary thing that we deal with is bunny rabbits, which is very sensitive to everything because, you know, you're a predator. You know, it, it has to trust you. Yeah. Um, so being around them... Um, and then now we also foster uh, domestic rabbits as well. And I have a rabbit, or we have two rabbits, but uh, one of them is my therapy bunny, and uh, nice. Annabelle. Yep, she's uh, she has wool, so I have to shave her every month like a sheep. High <laughs> <laughs> maintenance is what she is. Make sure we're at we're, we got about ten minutes left, which is fine. I just want to be mindful of uh, of yes. Caleb's time here. Uh, but yeah, um, so we got therapy rabbits, which is, uh, that's a new one. Uh, therapy pets in general are good to have around. My cat has been, she can almost like sense when I'm not in a good place. It's weird. Yeah. And she'll like, because, you know, with cats, they're just weird. They don't always want to be around you, but 
Right. Um, she like can sense like when I'm not in a good place and she'll be right up in my face, you know. Oh, mine hide. <laughs> <laughs> Yours hide. Well, I just can get I I you know, dealing with depression, I just go through uh waves of depression where I'm just like just not in a good space and can't get out of bed, that type of thing. And uh my cat definitely notices that, I can tell. Um and she def and it's cool having someone uh, or have a pet because I I live alone so it's cool having at least a pet that misses you when you're gone, um, but uh, yeah, um, trying to think of what else the I like and I like how your wife gave me notes for as well that helps out a lot actually. <laughs> uh, oh, let's talk about. Uh, I don't know if we can talk about it. well it's written down so can we talk about the the event that we're trying that you're trying to put together Oh uh for the Empower House Yeah for the Empower House Well actually and, the, and also just shout out to the Empower House in general cuz they're the, they're who helps you out a lot obviously They're actually in this building which is crazy Yeah Which floor are they on I think they're the, the third floor Third floor Yep yeah. Uh Missy Hendricks and I believe her sister and some of her friends have uh, opened up this Empower House. It's, for, it's a brain injury camp. And uh, I met Missy at Genesis. Uh, she's the one who did my cognitive therapy. Okay. Um, I don't know who all, I mean, there were so many therapies I went through, traction and surgeries and brain therapy, speech therapy. But she did the actual cognitive therapy, which is a computer that hook up to your head. And uh, it changes the brain waves and for, for your cognitive rehab or therapy, I guess. But uh she was so helpful throughout this whole thing, and it's hard for me. I don't have the time to explain what she actually does, but that therapy helped me so much get on track and stay calm. And, uh, man, she helped me in most ways that most doctors couldn't, and I just wanted to give back. And when I found out she opened up this powerhouse, and powerhouse, sorry, um, and it teaches people their daily skills after a brain injury, whether it be an accident or stroke, whatever. Brain mm -hmm. injury is a brain injury. Yeah, exactly. And you have damage, and you need to learn your daily skills. Um, you know, whether, I don't know the details of everything, but, you know. And it's a nonprofit, I assume, and, right? And it is nonprofit. Yeah. So I thought uh, it was weird. We had a weird twist where we accidentally had to talk to the news for the Renwick Mansion. I, because they thought my wife was the uh, promoter, the promoter, because yeah. Dane, the owner, yeah. said that. So they contacted my wife, and then yeah. uh, my wife told them no, and talked to Chris Lichting and Dane, and yeah, and then uh, and they're like, "Well, how did you? Why do you do this?" And she told her the story about me, and she's like, "Well, okay, well, if there's a side story, I want it." Well, that open door right there for the news to be involved with what I wanted to do, which was the Empower House, so. I wanted to shut the door because I'm not ready to. I can't headline my own show. Yeah, that's not even conceivable. Yeah, and my wife, she's like, "Nope, kick that door wide open." And the other comedians that this will be their time to shine and be there and help you, and they can headline, they can host, they can get some um, exposure as well. Don't don't shut that door. And uh, she goes, "You know, that's the least you could do. They've been there for you. Do this." I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I guess I never thought about that. I was like, and that can finally open. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't mind opening because I get it over with. Yeah, and you've been wanting to, you were wanting to help out, and then you're like, what's, well, what's the best way to do that? And that's do a benefit. So what's, yeah. what have, uh, I know you're kind of still in the in the works of how you're going to do things. Obviously, we're going to have some comedians, but. Um, well, right now. It's at the Buffalo Community Center, okay. August 19th. So we have at a location 7 p.m. Yep. And uh, the headliner is supposed to be uh, James Draper. Got to look at the boss there because I, I don't really have any say so in this of who's all going to be there because she's <laughs> running it. Um, I will open and then you and then um, Shane Newbert. Perfect. Yeah. And then. I don't know if we're going to have any more or not. I, I'm not there yet. Those are the ones that are set. So, so Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. And and thank you for that, But too, by the way. I of mean, course, it means yeah. the world to me. I mean, 
I'm, all you comedians are great. I, I fell into like the best lifestyle ever because you guys is. are so supportive and so nice here. I love it. I mean, yeah, I can't say enough about the comedy community, man. It's and also what you brought up, like, yeah, it's not like that everywhere. And yeah, go, I think uh, Justin told me about that. Uh, Goldberg was just like, yeah, that's not the way it is everywhere. I want to pause for a second and let people know that I was not talking about Dubuque. I was talking about when Justin Goldberg lived in Chicago. And also, if you're listening still, make sure you subscribe and leave a review for me if you're listening on Apple or Spotify. Thank you. Love you. <laughs> and Dubu- Dubuque's kind of like, basically like our... We kind of adopted them. We're kind of like, because they're close enough where we're all kind of like, you know, a lot a lot of the Dubuque guys are in our circle as well, which right. is awesome. Right. I love going there because it looks like there's a plane landing on you and you can't see anybody. If you stand in the right spot, you can't see anything. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the first time I did that comedy bar in Dubuque, it was a trip. I got up there and I was like, oh. But now I kind of like it. Yeah. Cause you like you just can't see anybody. You're just like in your own, you're just in your own space. You can you, drop your guard and pretend you're at home. Yeah. Yep. Just I I, I tone everyone out anyway. That's kind of part of my uh, defense mechanism for my anxiety, but it makes it that much easier at the comedy bar because it's just so bright. You can't see anybody if you wanted to. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Yep. I don't think I'm gonna go there this Thursday or tomorrow just because I was like. Ah. The drive is just like it's a long night. Yeah. Uh, well, you can ride with us. I'm going up. I need every five minutes I can get. I get it. I took that. You know, I had four friends die in five weeks, and then I had a heart issue. Um, so I took about a month off, and I'm still new to this. And when I went back on stage, I bombed three times in a row. It was horrible. It's like I'll start all over again. <sighs> I'm not doing that again. I realized you got to keep the momentum going. I get it. Yeah. I totally get it. I mean, I kind of bomb every time I'm up there anyway, but I have... You don't. I have good comebacks, though, because I can use my mental disability and just blame it on one of those guys. I didn't write that crap anyway. <laughs> yeah, you have that as you have that in your back pocket. Yes, yeah, so I can say when I get nervous or scared... Well, actually, I've actually made it part of my show now is... One of us passed uh, out. Yeah, one of us pretty, passed yeah, out yeah. and... and um, uh, yeah, you sorry if we stuttered. Tools, all 16 man. of us talking at once. Yeah, but my favorite joke never flies, and I'm going to have to tell you what it is, and that's the one where I'm talking about me going to therapy, and they tell my dad, don't medicate him because you don't know which one you're medicating. Yeah. That's the funniest shit to me because that's real, but everybody else is like, huh? <laughs> I get I think no so. response. I, I think you've got some response from that, and I get it. I think it's funny because, uh, yeah, it's like uh, – yeah, you really you don't. You can't give the bipolar person, or you can give the bipolar person Prozac and lithium, but you can't do that to the autistic side of me. You can't. Yeah. Bend that, down that road. I mean, I've had them give me some weird stuff to where I actually saw myself floating in the toilet, or I was sitting on the toilet, and I was watching myself float in a bathtub with blood coming out of my head. I was like, well, this is some wild shit. <laughs> I'm not taking this no more. Yeah, that's like some schizophrenic yeah. shit. So I called her, and I, the doctor, I said, what the hell's the matter with you? I said, I just saw my dead body floating in the tub. And she's like, oh, maybe we ought to increase it. I was like, what, you want the whole family in the tub with me? Yeah, <laughs> let's just not take that anymore. So are you taking any medications right now? No. No? Nope. That's why I, I stay away from just cause it's situations. Because so- um, I can't con- – this way I – I can pretty much control my behavior and make sure I do not get in a situation to make other people uncomfortable. I don't want other people, I don't want my mental disability to be your problem. Yeah. It's been that way the whole life. And now that I'm aware of it, I'm very conscious of it. And I just, you know what? If, if I've got a problem, I'll just leave the room and I'll deal with my crap my own way. I don't want you to have to deal with it. You Put know? yourself a timeout. That's right. Put myself <laughs> a timeout all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Let me see. Well, we're right, right at right at time here, so we should probably wrap up. And I've been, uh, I've been keeping Caleb late too much. I don't want to give him a hard time. And he came in, uh, specifically for this hour. Not that I didn't pay him, so it's fine. Uh, I think he's sleeping. Is he taking a nap? <laughs> yeah, we bored him. No, he's probably. Uh, 
they do a lot of uh, mixing and mastering for music and stuff like that. So he's probably oh, doing. Oh, that. he's rocking his head now. Yeah, he's getting into it. Yeah, yeah, he's jamming. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so he's at least getting some work done. So that's good. It's an awesome studio, by the way. I love this place, man. It's super cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Record. I can, you know, be recording a podcast and all of a sudden recording music and. Uh, yeah, I'll have to share with you uh, some of the music that I've done. Uh, I put up, I put out, I think four, four songs. I mean, I've been putting out music and doing music for and doing rap stuff for a long time, but I finally started to take it a little more seriously over the last year. That and comedy, I was like, uh, the comedy thing came out of nowhere, but the rap thing's always been there. I've always been into that. I've always been into comedy too, but I never really thought I would actually do it. Yeah. Until I was like you, encouraged. Not yeah. as heavily, like not literally, <laughs> not literally like told, hey, you're going up, which is awesome because yeah. some you clearly needed that. I did. And I can't think of enough, you yeah. know, not to interrupt, but an important thing is that people need to understand about this multiple personality disorder mm -hmm. and having mental outbursts or like verbal outbursts. I used to have them three or four times a day, every single day. Everything pisses me off. Mm -hmm. Everything. Ever since January 29th, when I went on stage, I've only had four outbursts total. It's therapeutic, man. It's, it's, yes. it's no doubt about it. Well, all my energy is focused on that. And then the fear and the, you know, of going on stage and makes everything else a little easier. It's, it makes you appreciate the situation and not focus on the stupid stuff that you didn't need to. And, you know, wasting your time being mad. <laughs> you know? Yeah, you can waste a lot of time being mad, resentful, and angry. That so I do want to sure. say thank to all the comedians, though, that have helped and, and just been there supportive and support me and bringing me and let me come into this world and talking to me. And it's so cool to be part of it. I'm glad it happened here from what I hear. <laughs> Oh yeah, we're we're very fortunate to be in the area that we are in. So, well, I appreciate you sharing a part of your story with everyone. I know there'll be plenty of people to appreciate it, and uh, yeah, we'll have to. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about it more, but uh, at least people can get an idea of what you know what multiple personality disorder really is, and you know. Got that straight from straight from the horse's mouth, <laughs> as they say. Yeah. So I really appreciate you being on, man. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Yeah, it was great. I didn't even open my drink. Yeah, can I stop sweating now? <laughs> yes, you can.